Our lives intersect the lives of other people, groups, or even whole governments. What happens next is what I explore in this podcast. Welcome to Intersections. I'm Brett Dickerson, your host. This is a wrap-up episode today where we're going to kind of take a look at the whole of Dead Center Film Festival. I'm talking to somebody who was right in the big middle of all of that, Kim Haywood. Kim, tell us what your title is with Dead Center so we can be sure and get it right. Of course. I am the Director of Programming and Education. Okay. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean that you do? Everything? (laughs) That sounds like one of those... Everything job titles. Not quite everything. Uh, So in terms of programming, um, I help organize a team of 100 screeners who will watch all the films that are submitted to our festival. So this year we had 1,300 films submitted, and so we watch every single film. Uh, It's really important to us that every film is watched and rated at least four times. We think that's a really fair thing to do. There's some festivals where you're only having your film seen by one person. So we like it four times. And then once those films are rated, they go on to programmers. And we have a team of six programmers who will then watch through those highly rated films and help make the final selections for the festival. So this year we had 106. Okay, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What did you say? So this year we had how many films? This year we had 106. 106. Correct. That's the reason why I never can go see all the films I want to see at Dead Center. Exactly. You know, most of those are shorts, <laughs> and they're in shorts programs that have anywhere between eight and ten films. But it really is, with any festival, just absolutely <laughs> impossible unless it's, just, it's humanly impossible to Every see all the Every single year I go away, and I just think, why? Can't, what's wrong with me? <laughs> why couldn't I get to that one set of shorts or that... That one feature that everybody's talking about. What the heck? What's wrong with me? Yeah, it's, it's humanly impossible. You know, we do. We <laughs> make sure that each film or shorts program is screened twice. Right. So that helps you to see those films. But mm-hmm. just scheduling wise, you know, there's you have to make a lot of choices. And, and yeah. hopefully people are happy with the choices they make. Yeah. So now now let's um, that that screening process is probably something that a lot of people just don't know about. Right. Uh, they just think, oh, well, these are the th- these are the ones that were submitted so how many films did you say were submitted this almost year? 1300 1300 correct so now tell us yeah you told us a little bit about that process but the, but the screeners actually these are volunteers that just out of their own goodness loyalty to dead center say yes i will watch hours of movies hours and hours exactly so we open our submissions in august right so we'll start the screening process in september Mm -hmm. and we with those hundred screeners they can select their category so they might want to watch narrative shorts or narrative features or documentaries both shorts and features so we let them select their category and starting in september we will send out films and everything now is online so the submission process is online the rating and review process is online and these screeners will watch films starting the first week of September and going through mid-March to make sure we get all those submissions right. screened appropriately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're all volunteers, and they work really hard. And the great thing, I think, about our 100 screeners is that 
almost all of them, if not all of them, have been to dead center. So they really are a sampling of our audience. So what we're getting with this initial feedback from the screeners is, is this a dead center film or is this a film? And this that's kind of what we tell everyone. Your right. bar should be, is this film something that I want to see again at the right. festival with 200 other people in a dark theater? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, you know, recommend it. If it's not, then don't recommend it. So we're, we're, it's, it's really, and I like that process. I like it being our audience helping to select the films that we finally will screen at the festival. Yeah, so you, you choose the screeners from among people who've been to Dead Center. Exactly, exactly. We really last, kind of understand the whole culture of Dead Center Film Fest. Exactly. Right. And last year was our first year. We used to have uh, 30 to 40 screeners. Last year was the right. first year that we opened up a submission process where people could apply to be a screener. And one of the questions we asked was, have you been to the festival? Right. And almost all of them said yes. So right. we've, we've expanded the number from 40 to 100 simply because two or three years ago, our submissions doubled and we just couldn't keep up. And we, and again, that, that process of four people watching a film, it was so much more difficult for us to do that. So we, we've expanded the number and, and I so think we'll four, expand it this year four, too. Four people see each film. Yes. At least. That's what, that's what your screeners do. That's four what our screeners, screeners do. And it's usually more than that, right. but we have a minimum of four. So right. if a film comes through and it hasn't been watched and rated four times and I will send it out again right. to make sure that we have that minimum of so four So it can't ratings. be that, you know, if I'm having a bad day and I'm the only screener that sees it, it's, it can't be that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And also that's four is really fair because if it's a, if it's a, um, a scary movie, you know, yeah. someone might not like scary movies. Yeah. I, don't. So, I don't, I don't like scary. Don't. So you might not rate it as <laughs> so highly. So I'd be the wrong person to screen it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we also look at high rated films and we also look at films that might have, you know, two lower ratings, but mm -hmm. two high ratings, because that might mean that those people who rate it kind of low, that might not been a genre that they appreciate right. or yeah. something. It might've been more experimental and they yeah. did not understand that. So that's why we like that four person minimum. Yeah. Well, yeah, everybody's different. So you've just found that four people is a pretty good it's a, a pre pretty good exactly. combination. It's a, exactly. It's a pretty good indicator of um, if that film will be a great film for the festival okay. or not. Yeah, let's talk about film A here. Film A gets past the first round of volunteer screeners. Correct. Then it goes to your programmers. Correct. Right? So, so what do they do? So what's, the what's different about what they do? So what's different about what they do? These are um, people who have been with our festival for a really long time, mm -hmm. and they understand that we want a really well-balanced slate of films. So... Uh, you know, we want comedies, we want horror films, we want uh, really thoughtful social, you know, issue documentaries, we want funny documentaries, we want a little bit of everything. So, and they're also, they have their finger on the pulse of films they're playing nationally and at other festivals. So, uh, for example, a film this year, Life Animated, was a film that we selected, received a, a tremendous variety review prior to the festival. So we knew that we were onto something there. I think the reason that people come and see films at Dead Center is because they want to be, in their mind, the first people to see a film. They want their finger on the pulse of something they're going to read about or see on Netflix or see coming to the theater near yeah. them a couple months later. So okay. we, we really have that in mind. But also, I, our programmers have really great... Um, taste in films and they're, they're trendsetters and they know what's great and they also just know how to like our shorts programmers know how to theme programs mm -hmm. unlike other festivals Dead Center has thematic shorts programs so it's comedy or love, sex, and death, or so other festivals don't do that. No, they really don't. It's it's. Shorts. I don't like just travel around to festivals all the time, so I wouldn't know. Right, exactly. So it's it's shorts program one or shorts program two, and when you have something like that, it's really difficult to figure out what you're getting into. But Sarah Thompson and Shane Smith, our 
Schwartz programmers do a great job of theming the programs, right. but also making it really broad so that we can incorporate a lot of films. So Love, Sex, and Death, for example, is a Schwartz program that any film in the world could fall into those three things. You know, it's about love, <laughs> sex, or death. And so that's a great program for that. Right. So they, they really do keep that in mind just so we get a really broad slate of selections. Yeah, good. On top of that, though, there's is that is that the sole process? Because I've I've also heard, I've I've been kind of going to I've gone to most of Dead Center Film Festivals, not all of them, but most of them since number five. I think I oh, have a great. number five T-shirt. Oh, nice! That I that I've retired now in my in my <laughs> back of my closet with my other shirts. I don't want to wear out anymore. Well, the more recent shirts are far more comfortable. So <laughs> it's, we we found a nice like tri blend that we we use now. Yeah, so. but this one was really durable. Yeah, so it, I wore it for a long time, and then I thought, okay, wait a minute, I don't want to just wear this right until it's rags. Right. So yeah. So I have heard sometimes though that you guys go down to. Uh, someplace else as, as kind of a way of previewing what's really getting hot at that time. Absolutely. That? Absolutely. So um, myself and Lance McDaniel, we go to Sundance every year. Right. Uh, a part of the reason that we go is to network with other film festival organizers okay. and festival directors and programmers. Yeah. But we also, that is the first festival uh, American festival really of the season that kicks things off. Uh -huh. So we're also, we do curate films. For example, our opening night film this year, which was hunt for the wilder people. Right is usually a film that we curate mm -hmm. because we're looking for just the right film. Now that film might come through through the submission process, which is wonderful, but that's an example of a film that we okay. curated. And then also a lot of these films that are playing Sundance and South by Southwest will submit to us. And that's fantastic. Ah, South by Southwest. So you go there. Also. We go there as well. Oh, yeah. And we have our, we have all of our programmers um, for the most part attend that festival, ah. but it's really great to be able to see a film that submitted in that way at a festival versus right. on our computer monitor because you get to you get a sense of the audience's reaction and if the film will go over well and and I've I've been to South by Southwest and watched a couple of films I've submitted and we've chosen to not accept a film based on the reaction of the audience there which is a very progressive you know right they really love film and we but we accept so you it never really watch that crowd at South by Southwest oh absolutely absolutely for for programming but also for um you know best practices you know we go right. to these other festivals to see how they structure their volunteers and how they structure their programming because that's 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 how we grow. We grow by going to other festivals that are doing things so, so well, and we were able to learn from right. them. So so Sundance and South by Southwest are, are two good early indicators for you. Correct. Uh, so, and those are what, in the in the winter? In the winter? Uh, Sundance is in January, and South by Southwest is in March. 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 So that gives you enough time to go, hey, wait a minute, this is getting hot, we better... Exactly, exactly. We, you know, we end our process, our submissions end in February, but we're still watching films. We right, get right. so many films at the very end of our submissions yeah. process. So we're still watching films through probably mid to end of March. Yeah. And we start notifying filmmakers of their acceptance in mm -hmm. April. So that gives us enough time to sort of feel out, you know, these films we've been thinking about and see how people react to them. You've said something about how you place that first night mm -hmm. of a uh, Films. I did. I did a previous podcast with Ben Ben Hadine, uh, from Two Trains Running. Uh, give us Give us an example with that one. Why did you decide to put that on the first night? We put that on the first night. Uh, the great thing about that film was one, there was a local connection to it, which right. is great. But yeah. also, it's just a really well told story that's beautiful and it has mass appeal. Yeah. Those Thursday night opening night screenings 
we really are. So for Hunt for the Wilder People, for example, it was a really touching, funny, warm film. And that usually works really well with that audience. But we also have an audience that wants a little, um, not to say that Wilder People didn't have substance, but wants a little something. And so Two Trains Running was a beautiful documentary that included uh, the civil rights era and these three students that drove down to Mississippi, but also the music from that time. So. Um, it was just a really beautiful, well-balanced film. And on that night, we want to give people options. You have this comedy or you have this very thoughtful, beautiful documentary that you can choose from. So it's, it's about choices yeah. as well. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, the reason why I did that that first episode from Dead Center, I did, I did three episodes. That was my regular Friday morning episode. And then I did two more, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. Oh, wow. Um, along with the rest of Mostly Harmless mostly harmless media wafty show mm-hmm. and the bubble they were doing dailies also during that time so we were all just running in the press crazy. rounds yeah, just yeah, yeah. getting interviews and so um that uh, when i talked to ben afterward uh, he just happened to mention how many hours of documentary footage he had to go through to get that 125 hours oh absolutely 125 hours of documentary footage to sift it through for a 79 minute film yeah and that's what makes sam pollard and ben hadeen great filmmakers and sam was the director of the film yeah is that was ben was a writer and producer writer producer correct correct uh what makes them great filmmakers is most documentary filmmakers do walk away especially because you're working on documentary for years i think ben mentioned he worked on it for three years you walk away with so much content but to be able to take all that 125 hours and whittle that and find the story within that 125 yeah to, that gets you to an eighty or ninety minute film. That's that's art. Like it, it's yeah. so difficult because you like there might be some interviews or something that are amazing and you want to include them, but does it mm. really serve the story? Yeah. And to be able to say no to the under, other hundred and twenty four hours, mm. that's that's solid. That's great filmmaking right there. I asked I asked Ben about where that idea came from, and he said that that story was. Is is actually the prologue in his book about 1964. Yeah, uh, he's actually a historian, and and he just decided he he wanted to take that prologue because of some response early response he was getting and turn that into a documentary film. Yeah, and he said he said he really and uh, of course I'm a I'm a former history teacher in high school and so I you know I kind of grooved with him on this a little bit but he. He was talking about how um, history so often is a very solitary. You know, when you're a historian, you're doing a lot of sitting in libraries, looking through documents research and things, and a lot of research. And he said he, he really loved the collaborative process of, of film and, and putting that together. You know, there was the writing process, but he already had a pretty good concept. He already had his concept. It was just a matter of writing a script mm-hmm. for that, that that would be balanced trying to find a balance with all that material but but he had he had already cooked it down for the prologue and you know it's not a whole book it's just the prologue right so he'd already cooked it down some so and that that cooking process really is a part of of filmmaking script writing isn't it absolutely and you know ben is a first-time film producer yeah he is an accomplished writer he's yeah. a historian um he, he's, he's done amazing work he sent me some links and i've read some of his work <laughs> 
And but to see him transition to a filmmaker, he's such a natural. Yeah. And you and you you're spot on. I, I think that filmmaking is one of the most collaborative art processes yes. there are. So, you know, people we give awards to directors and we give awards to producers, but the right. reality is behind that there were cameras, there was sound, there were if you're if you're narrative film, there's, you know, sets and casting and all yeah. sorts of things involved. And so it really is collaborative. So I'm glad that Ben uh, found that sort of that outlet, you know, because I could right. see as a historian, it's very isolating. But uh, but yeah, he is a natural uh, filmmaker. And I, I do hope that we see more from him. Yeah, I think I think being an accomplished historian means that he has a really solid work ethic. And that that's really one of the key elements in it. Yeah, well, absolutely. To, to just keep hanging in there. That that's hard. That's hard to do a film right. Absolutely, but yeah. he's also a writer, and I think yeah. the number one thing that we look for as programmers in any of our films mm -hmm. is great stories. Yeah, because you can have the biggest and best um, explosives or you know, special effects <laughs> in a movie, but that doesn't make a great film. Yeah. And so I think that the thing about Two Trains Running that was so special is that Ben is a really great writer, yeah. and he's able to find a really great story. Mm -hmm. And that for our for us is number one with anything. So. I think the the combination of him being a historian and a writer mm -hmm. uh, created this really beautiful film. Oh wow, wow! So how many how many people does it take to run the Dead Center <laughs> Film Festival? So many people. You know, we have four staff members. Which, <laughs> That's right. There's like there's yeah, four of pe us. People would be stunned to hear that. There right. are four of you. Four. And really, that that number has increased just recently correct and like previous ten, to that it was even what just two of you it was well it was three so lissa blatchkey came on board as our executive director in september right and alex picard came on board as our festival uh, coordinator and head of operations two years ago so okay. before that there were two of us yeah and before that there was one so um staff wise we're very small we're mighty yeah. but small there are yes. four of us yes. So to run all the various elements of the festival, mm -hmm. tickets, production, uh, merchandise, uh, anything, we have 400 volunteers. Wow. 400 volunteers. And these aren't just people that you see in the festival in the purple shirts who are awesome and amazing. Yes. And we get so yes. many compliments because uh -huh. they're fantastic. Right. But there's a team, uh, there's an advisory committee who meet, we meet year round just preparing for the festival and getting feedback. So it feedback. really is a, a massive volunteer effort isn't it absolutely that, that really says a lot about Oklahoma City it, it does you yeah. know and I was thinking recently uh, a lot of the filmmakers uh, which I'm very humbled by has have said this past year mm -hmm. that Dead Center is their favorite film festival experience yeah because they travel they can travel anywhere they go sure. to 20 festivals sure, yeah. a year with the film and I think one of the things that makes Dead Center so amazing is the fact that we're in Oklahoma City we're in a community where people want to get involved and it's very easy to get involved. If you're somewhere else, the reality is it's so hard to get into right. things and do yes. things. One, we have, so we have amazing volunteers, but also we have an audience that really wants to engage and really yes. wants to support the festival. And if you walk outside the Harkins or you walk outside the Museum of Art, the festival experience doesn't end. There are things happening all around Bricktown. There are things mm -hmm. happening around the museum. So the entire city feels like the film festival, not just the venue where the festival right. is taking place. Yeah, yeah. And I credit that 100% to Oklahoma City and the people inside of, of Oklahoma City. Yeah. Tell me tell me about the Harkins. Now, the, Har the Harkins has really become kind of an anchor. I can, I can remember a time where I got a lot of good, healthy walking in <laughs> uh, when I would go to Dead Center because you'd have little venues just sprinkled around all over downtown. Exactly. And, and I, I can recall the first dead center when you guys got one theater sponsored in the Harkins mm -hmm. 
And now how many, how many theaters were sponsored in the Harkins? So this now year? we have six. Uh, six theaters in the Harkins and the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. Right. Uh, their Noble Theater is one of our venues as yeah. well. And, you know, we got to a place about three years ago when we were in these little places around yeah, yeah. the city. Just like um, all over downtown. All over downtown. Yeah, just, just like run sometimes from one to the other. Exactly. Yeah. So IAO, for example, the Individual Artists of Oklahoma Gallery right. was a venue for our short films. Uh-huh. And we'd bring in projectors and yeah. screens and chairs. <laughs> but what we realized was that a short filmmaker worked just as hard and shot their film just as beautifully as a feature filmmaker and it was really unfair for us to screen it on this in what we call a converted space yeah so we uh three years ago we started um renting and getting more screens at the harkins and the harkins is a great partner for us because the phoenix film festival is based so the the harkins their headquarters is is in phoenix and the phoenix film festival they house their entire festival at the harkins so the harkins here in oklahoma city knows the, the corporate and here they know exactly how a film festival works because so it you is talk very to specific. Harkins corporate, they're, they're on. They're they, on. They already know what they're doing. They know they what they're doing. They already know about film festivals. Exactly. It's not, it's not like, no, you guys are going to get in the way. You're going to, there's, there's none of that. Exactly. Yeah. And the reality of, you know, theaters nationally, I think we've all seen the numbers, the trend is going down. And I think by yeah. 2018, um, video on demand or VOD, whether it's Amazon or Netflix or Hulu or whatever, will overtake the actual theater sales in terms of ticket sales. And so fewer people are going to a theater. And so I think they also understand and appreciate that we're bringing people to their space or reminding people, and I forget too, what it's like to see a movie in a theater on a big screen with popcorn and a soda. Yeah. That's a really cool experience. Yeah. It's very nostalgic. And I think we've forgotten about that. So they're amazing partners for us. So is the Museum of Art. Um, My wife, by the way, is very appreciative that she can bring popcorn oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, at, at some of the venues. And hot like, dogs and no pretzels and nachos. No, I mean, you can get whatever you, <laughs> they have burgers at Harkins. If you want a hamburger, they've got it yeah. all. Yeah, pizza. Pizza, or pizza. Yeah. yeah, I had cheese sticks yeah, <laughs> for lunch okay. one day because I could. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 really has helped the festival a lot, hasn't it? Oh, I think so. I think the filmmakers appreciate it. Yeah, I think our mu- audience. Museum been- of Art it, it is a beautiful, wonderful theater, and it it works so well because it's it's made to be an auditorium where people can just come and do speeches and things. So that the yeah. The Q and A part after a film is so good at at the museum. Exactly, there. and they're both yeah they're they're great partners. They're very used to doing what they do, and they do it so yeah. well uh-huh. that you know having the festival there is just right. a supernatural <laughs> thought. You know, it's right, like why yeah. would we go anywhere else? Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you guys have really landed on on some good venues. Then yes, we you? have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before and after each of these films, we see those sponsorship. You know, not intrusive, but but there there are plenty of sponsors. How have those sponsorships made a difference? Oh, on, on so many levels. I think the greatest thing years ago, I've been here, this is my 14th festival that mm-hmm. I've been a part of. And I remember starting Dead Center and just trying to get people to care and to notice. <laughs> and the great thing is people are taking notice. And sponsors right. like um, Dead Center and like our year-round programming, uh, because really at the end of the day, we're, we're supporting art and we're supporting local right. art and we're supporting right. film and they mm-hmm. want to be a part of that education. Um, and I mean, very obvious. It, it supports us by, you know, we're a nonprofit and we need um, um, funding from sponsors to help ourselves exist. Right. Um, but also, I think it, 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 it 
some of these sponsors or all these sponsors really give us validation. You know, if someone sees a Stella Artois or an Allied Arts or a Svetka Vodka or whatever, you know, sponsorship right. on one of those slides, people think, oh, this is actually a big deal. You know, it actually... These, these people really think this is important to sponsor. Exactly. Yeah. And also, they're all of our sponsors do a great job of spreading the word to their yeah. employees and getting their employees involved on the volunteer level. So there really passes. is some credibility, isn't it? And that's, Absolutely. that's probably one thing just normal people like me wouldn't wouldn't think of is right. but it strikes me that that is very important to the festival that when when people see those big organizations that are sponsoring they go wow this really is a big deal these, these people want to give some big bucks to help out here because this is a big deal it is a big deal yeah. and in in the festival we still are kind of dealing with people who don't understand how the festival works and, right. and they're a little bit afraid of it. So I think when they see these larger sponsors, you know, Whole Foods came on this year to right. help us with a, um, one of their fundraising days at Whole Foods here in Oklahoma city. Yeah. And so when people see that, it just, it one brings attention to the festival, but also I think you're right. It gives us some validity to right. these yeah. attendees are a little bit afraid. Like, is this worth it? Is this worth our time? It's, yeah. it's worth your time. If, if these amazing sponsors want to be a part of what we do at one at one point, it was it was kind of a grind trying to get into some of these venues. I think that was like two or three years ago when you had just kind of a ballooning mm-hmm. of people wanting to come, and you had to kind of catch up. This year, I I really didn't see very many people cut out of going to the show they wanted to go to. Yeah, what has caused the the festival to be a little less desperate like that? You know, there was there was two two or three years ago. You know, you guys were like any organization. Sometimes organizations suffer from their own popularity. Right. And and so it was it was kind of hard to get in. Sometimes you might be in the line and it's like, nope, fire marshal says this is all we can put in here. <laughs> right. Can't have people sitting in the aisles anymore, you know, and things like that. Uh, so some people have to wait, you know, have to go to plan B. People would have to really kind of scramble around. And there was a little bit of kind of desperation there, which which happens at really popular events. Right. When a big bunch of people show up and want to be there when... You know, there's not enough room, but 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 now in the last couple of years, it just seems like to me that you guys have really kind of mastered that a lot. Uh, talk talk about that transition where you know people don't feel well. I don't think a lot of people felt desperate because e- eventually they get to see the shows they want to see. Of course, because uh, you have enough repeats. There exactly. To do that. Yeah. So so uh, talk about how you've conquered that thing of, of people not being able to get into shows. Sure, sure. Well, I think when you have a one time a year event, your yeah. challenge is you have one shot a year to fix the issues from the year before. <laughs> and so so I think over the past few years, because we did have explosive attendance growth several years ago and so one of the ways that we have dealt with that is getting more one getting more screens at the Harkins so this year we had six Uh but two also getting larger venues or getting larger screens there so um, you know our shorts programs used to screen in a theater that I think sat 113 people we now have them in screens that seat over 200 people Uh so you know that's some of it there it is exactly and so you know we we, have more seats we have more seats exactly and more options for people you know we have passes to the festival and you know how that works and that we let those pass holders in first but then we also sell individual tickets and what was happening was that our screenings were selling out or being filled up with these all access pass holders but all access pass holders were still stuck in line and could not get in and then these $10 ticket buyers couldn't get in at all and we don't think that's fair you know right yeah you're right we want to get two three years ago that was that was the case especially one festival I remember where it really caught on and you know you guys were just wildly popular and 
just all these people flooded in and wanted to go. Wanted and, to go. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it's, it's, it's a, for us, it's a negative perception. Like we want people to be able to go to our festival, you know, and not right, to be, yeah. and you know, um, I go to festivals all the time and I'm just used to it. Like right, I, right, I yeah. go South by Southwest or Sundance right. and if I'm not in line early enough, I don't get in. And that's right. just, yeah. you know, I, I know what to do, but we want people, especially first time attendees right. to have a great experience. And so this year we, we put out more screens at the Harkins and also we just, we, you know, got larger theaters to accommodate right. those people. And yeah. I think we were successful this year. There are a couple of screenings that sold out and, you know, there might've still been some people in line. Mm-hmm. And we also do that little thing where you get that card, that cue card. So you get in line. Right. And if there are 200 seats in a theater, we have 200 little cards with numbers on right. them. And then we have something called buffer cards and that's might be 201 to 225. And if you get that buffer card, you can make a choice. Do I stand in this line? Maybe I'll get in if mm-hmm. someone doesn't show up or do I go to the next movie? So it's really managing expectations yeah, yeah. and really trying to be do things that will fit in our growing audience. Let me just, you know, say you might not like me bringing up the, you know, negatives of, oh, a, couple, no. of a couple of years ago, but I, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I think you guys have really conquered that. I think so too. And that's, yeah. that's what we do. And we're very honest with ourselves and I, yeah, I yeah. you have to be, you know, right. we sit down and have a huge debriefing after everything's cleared up and the festival's over. Mm-hmm. We, we, we sit down and we're very honest with ourselves and say what worked and what didn't work. Right. We send out surveys to audience members, to past buyers, to filmmakers, to volunteers. <laughs> and we go through and we, you know, we, we highlight the good stuff, but we circle and highlight the stuff that didn't work. And then right. we, we right. make our plan of action during the summer when it's still fresh in our brains of what are we mm-hmm. doing this year. So when we meet with our advisor committee, when right. we meet with our board of directors, we can address those issues. And that process probably starts this this summer. Oh, it, it, in my mind, some things that I saw, it started during the festival. Right. Like I was yeah. putting notes on my These phone. These are things we've got to look at. You right. have to. You have right. to do yeah. that. If we're going to grow, if we're going to accommodate our audience and our yeah. filmmakers, yeah. You, we have to look at it honestly. And it's not... And, and, and it's, you know, we work hard. We know that. But we, we also know that we need to make changes. And again, and we have one shot a year to do it. Yeah. And so that's how we people, make that work. People come there may not recognize you or Lance, but but I know who you are. And I, you know, you guys are just nationwide through the whole thing. You are everywhere. I see you and Lance everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So so you really do hear what's going on. Somebody, you know, you might be sitting somewhere or standing somewhere and somebody might sit down and go and not even know who you are and say, right. man, this really sucks. I don't like this part of this. And so you're hearing that because you're there. Exactly. And Kim, I, I just want to say that's, that's, a, that's the real key to any event working right year in, year out is is not hiding no from the things that might not work very well this year but we're going to make them work next year exactly and and that you know in in my mind that's uh, uh, that's why the festival continues to get bigger and and stronger oh thank you each each year because you know, you and Lance are just there. You are there. Oh, you're we're not, all you're, there. You're not afraid to talk to people. Mm-mm. You're not afraid to talk to people about good stuff, bad stuff, whatever. Anything that's going on, you are just around. Yeah. And, and you and care listening. and know what's going on. And listening. Right? And listening yeah. and, and taking it in and not being offended by it. And, and thankfully this year, you know, yeah. there was not a lot of, of negative. And I know exactly that you're, you're talking about in terms of people not being turned away because our, <laughs> our theaters were full. And that's, I mean, that's a problem for me. So, you know, we, we fixed yeah. it. And so yeah. we're, we're always listening and I'm sure we'll get some feedback on the surveys. Then we'll say, okay, that person's right. Let's listen to them and let's change this because reality is we're doing this. Right. We don't do this for ourselves. No one in the office and none of our volunteers yeah. are doing it for themselves. Uh-huh. We're doing it for our city. And if our city right. is not, 
cool with what we're doing, then we need to do something different, you know? <laughs> By the way, before going further, we're mentioning Lance. We're talking about Lance McDaniel and his new title as of last year. Artistic director. Artistic director because you hired a new executive director. That is correct. I did a story for the Oklahoma Gazette on that about, about your new executive director last fall, I guess. Right? Yes, correct. That would have been, yeah. Uh, that seems like about five years ago know, for, it all, for all the stuff that I did for different people. I know. But Dead, Dead Center has really promoted uh, some smaller regional, I mean regional, like within Oklahoma, Correct. regional festivals yeah. like 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 Woodward, right? There's there's a festival at Woodward that you guys have promoted. Well, yeah, and so there's a festival in Woodward. So for our 15th anniversary in the fall of 2014, uh-huh. uh, we have an education program, which yeah. is the other part of my title, oh, okay. um, that Lance and I travel to schools around the state, right. mostly rural schools, some mm-hmm. urban schools, and we teach filmmaking seminars. Mm-hmm. And so we usually do that in the fall, but what we did that year is we tacked on with every community we visited, a one or two night mini film festival. One, to promote you know our upcoming festival for, right. for ourselves. but what we found is we it's really important because again, of these 1,300 films that we have submitted, we accept 100 usually, 100, right, this right. year was 106, but there are so many other great films that we're not able to share with people. Yeah. And so by supporting these festivals around our state, there's one in Alva, I know that Guyman's interested in starting one, Miami's interested in starting one, <laughs> um, they're all of the state. We understand how that grows a community, but we also understand that that gives filmmakers, especially Oklahoma filmmakers, an additional platform for their films to be seen. Film is an art, so it's like a painter. You know, if you you want a gallery to to show your artwork with a filmmaker, you want a film festival to show your film. And so someone, I think we were traveling maybe at Sundance or South by Southwest, and someone asked, well, aren't you afraid that's competition? And we're like, no, that's ridiculous. Uh-huh. It's not about competition. Well, you this don't really a- understand competition if you say that. No, you? exactly. And it, that's it's not, not- that's, that's not the, you know, that competition is valuable. I've had I've oh, had sure. retail store owners tell me if my competition goes out of business across the street, I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what that's what competition does. We are so, yeah. we want to promote filmmaking in this state, and we right. want to pr- promote filmmakers. Um, something that we started last year at our festival. Speaking of these festivals around the state, yeah. is we now have a film festival organizer summit, and we started at our festival last year. And the cool thing about it is it is now a traveling event. So. I think the next festival is coming up. It's the Red Dirt Film Festival in Stillwater. Yeah. It will be in September, I believe. And so yeah. they'll host it next time. So right. every festival that happens around our state takes a turn hosting these Oklahoma festival organizers. And it's just a way for everyone to get together, to network, to bounce ideas off one another. And we see a tremendous benefit in that. Again, for our entire state, for filmmakers, for the art of filmmaking, there's no negative to this. And we're, oh, we're proud man. to be a part of it. And we want to help to see film grow in our state in any way that we can. So that's how, that's how Dead Center um, has an influence out in the state. Those of us that live here in Oklahoma City just know it as a big, cool event that we always right. look forward to. But but this, this really, you know, you guys really have a positive influence out in the state when it when it comes to filmmaking. We try to. Yeah. And and we're also very aware that, like you said, people in the metro area know of Dead Center. But if you're living up in Guymon, you're probably not going to make that five-hour drive to Oklahoma City <laughs> yeah. unless you're just a huge film buff. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. can we spread film up in the panhandle? Right. How can we yeah. how can we spread film down in Durant? And so the, mm-hmm. the answer to that is help these others who live in those communities create and foster the same event in their town. Wow. 
Kim Haywood, thank you so much for all the work that you do and uh, the four of you in the <laughs> four of us. office. <laughs> four, not 40. <laughs> do all of this stuff. And, and also a shout out to all of those many volunteers that join you every year in that effort. And that, that's just an amazing effort. And uh, thank you so much for what you do and the others in the, uh, who are a part of the festival. Well, thank you. Thank you for supporting us since 2005. That's really impressive. I appreciate that. That concludes our interview. There are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast. Go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe, listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guest. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life, so write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com. Steven Tyler is our awesome production advisor, and I am your host, Brett Dickerson. <laughs>